And welcome everybody to Novak Now here on this Monday, June 4th. We are live and boy, these are the kinds of days when I'm so glad that we switched this program to a live program because we have real and true breaking news here on this Monday morning, late morning. The Supreme Court of the United States, the United States Supreme Court in Washington has just ruled in favor of that Colorado Baker, Masterpiece Baker is the name of the um, establishment, ruled in favor of him, had that fine and his conviction overturned in that famous case from several years ago where that bake shop refused a gay couple that wanted to go to that bakery and get a cake for their marriage. Uh, and based on that baker's religious beliefs, that's what he told the court and that's what he told the authorities, he just did not feel that he could participate in that in any way. Didn't matter to the Colorado authorities. They went after him. They fined him. They charged him. He was convicted. And now that has been overturned. Now, what's very interesting about this case now, again, we're just getting this uh, coming over just a few minutes ago, and I believe it's like a 159-page decision. So um, it's going to take a while before we get through every little bit of this. But what we know now is that it was a 7-2 to two decision, so it wasn't really a split court. But what you're seeing in all the headlines right now, just in the first few minutes here on this decision, is that it was a limited, narrow decision. And I think that's fair. I wouldn't put that in the headline. And we'll talk about some of the journalism aspects of all this in a second. But I wouldn't necessarily put that in the headline. What they mean by that is this guy's off. This, the, the Masterpiece Baker guy, he has got his record cleared. That fine's going to have to be repaid to him. I don't know if he gets interest back on that, but that's another issue. He's in the clear 100%. There's nothing narrow about that Baker's victory. What they mean by this is there were some religious groups that were hoping that this decision would be much broader and would basically protect any other kind of business like this from having to be forced to do something like this, to either provide a cake for a gay couple in a gay marriage, maybe provide a catering hall, you name it. You can think of all the things. I'm sure a lot of the listeners here who understand the New York wedding operation and the New York wedding industry know what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, any small aspect of that throughout the rest of the country, there was some hope, I guess, by religious groups that this would be very broad and everyone would be protected in, in, in perpetuity, which is, I think was a relatively long shot for them to have believed. So for, this to, for the headlines to come out and say, oh, this is a narrow decision, I, I really don't think so. I think this is about as slam dunk a decision on behalf of this particular baker as possible. And of course, you have to understand the particulars in this case. Uh, again, talking about this breaking news from the Supreme Court ruling in favor of the Colorado Baker, the name of the company was Masterpiece, uh, for refusing to provide a, a wedding cake for a gay couple that came in here, came into his shop and, 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 and wanted that. Uh, one of the reasons why this case was really problematic to begin with is the fact that it really looks like this guy was singled out. It wasn't like this was a couple that lived in the neighborhood la-di-da, this is the only bake shop or the, the bake shop that they like best within a few miles of their home, and they went in there and they were refused service. Now, this guy was targeted. This guy was set up for really a test case, and up until now, he had lost. He had been losing in different, different jurisdictions. So that what, that's what happened, and I think that was a big reason why the court ruled 7-2 to two here instead of the usual 5-4, to four, right-wing, left-wing balance on the court, because this... I, you know, you want to celebrate this, but the case in the beginning stank from, from, the, from the very beginning for a lot of us. 
They were going after a particular baker who they felt would be would give them a problem. A lot of people brought up a very good counter argument. Well, why didn't they go to a Muslim bake shop in maybe a neighborhood outside of Detroit or Chicago where you can find a Muslim bake shop? And actually, some people did that as sort of like a candid camera type of joke operation. And of course, they were refused. But that wasn't a serious operation. This was a serious operation to try to get somebody in trouble, get this case into the courts, and to cause a stink over one small bake shop. And it worked. It worked up until now. Of course, you can. I still think there's some permanent results to this because the, the because the baker said that he had to cut back a lot of his operations. He was targeted by a lot of other groups. He was threatened. He had to fire people because he didn't have as much business. You name it. So this is what separated it, I think, in a lot of people's minds, and not just mine. Clearly, seven of the nine Supreme Court justices believe that that's what separated this from being a run-of-the-mill important civil rights case. Because this wasn't a case of someone go actively refusing service. It wasn't like this guy had a sign outside his window saying, gays go away. These, these people heard that the guy was religious, went after him, and hoping for this response. They were hoping to be refused. Okay. And that's what makes this case very, very different and clearly made the case different in the eyes of the judges, justices. And I think that's also why they didn't widen this out towards some kind of blanket religious freedom, which I think, you know, listen, I like this ruling today, but I can understand why giving all religious groups the right to refuse service based on what may not be written rules. And I'm going to talk about this in a second. Written rules being the really, really important factor here. Okay. Uh, but I can see why that would be very problematic for them to give the kind of blanket religious freedom, quote, religious freedom, uh, freedoms that, that some religious groups were looking for. So again, I, I think this was not only a very slam dunk ruling in favor of a guy who was unfairly targeted, unfairly made an example out of, when he was not really belligerently going after anybody. This guy was literally minding his own business before he was really targeted for what they wanted to be a national test case. But I, so I think it's a great win for him. But I don't think it's, uh, it would be appropriate to really stretch this out any further than it has to be. I think this is a good chilling effect for anyone who wants to go after an individual business again and really target them. But as far as giving a bunch of religious uh, business owners the right to refuse service, I think it's good that that didn't happen today. And I'm sure some people might disagree. So I'm going to talk about two aspects of this from a journalistic point of view, which I'll do second, but first from a religious point of view. And one disclaimer, I'm Jake Novak. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not playing one on radio. I'm not playing one on TV, but I'm just going to state some facts that are objective facts about Jewish law and Jewish tradition here. One of the things that I've noticed for many, many years of my life, ever since I was growing up in the South as a kid, is, you know, listen, you grow up in the South as a kid in the United States the last 70 years, you run into religious Christian people, evangelical Christians. And they are some of the most devout, strongly religious people who really bring religion to the table in almost everything they do. They discuss it all the time. They bring it into the discussion in politics. They bring it into the discussion of sports. It's all there for them all the time. But one of the things I've noticed that they don't have, that I think they desperately need, is what we call in Hebrew halakha, which is our written Jewish law. They don't have written law in Christianity. They have some laws that, they, that are more like precepts, that are more like principles. But it's not like the Christians have a rule about when they can eat meat after milk, you know, or milk after meat. If they don't have rules about how exactly to the letter you're supposed to cel you know, celebrate or observe their Sabbath. They don't have those things. And by the way, that's by design. Those of you who know your history, your New Testament, or learned it, you learned your religious history, you know that a big thrust 
of early Christianity was we're going to throw away all these rules that are so, so burdensome for the Jews and offer them really just a couple of rules and make faith and make faith the most important thing, more than action. Of course, that's, that was really the great divergence between the early Christians and the early rabbis. The rabbis felt that faith was very important, but that proper conduct and following the laws was more important. Because anyone can have a, a crisis of faith. Anyone can have that problem. But you got to follow the rules all the time. That's what the rabbis wanted to impose upon the Jewish people. And some people, <laughs> I would say, it was less of an imposition than a gift. It's a great guidepost. The Talmud and the Mishnah, and then what later became the Shulchan Aruch, which is our basically kind of like a listing of our laws, is a great guidepost for, for Jews who want to be religious and want to follow the rules and want to be devout and live as a good Jew. Christians don't have that, no matter how devout they are. And so I've always wondered, it must drive evangelical Christians who are truly devout crazy when anyone walking around with a cross necklace or calling themselves a Christian can kind of get away with it. There's really no litmus test. You know, I think that the basic litmus test for a Jew who goes around saying, I am a Jew who observes the Torah, observes the mitzvot, I would have to say it's pretty obvious. It, it really comes down to two categories. Do you keep Shabbat and do you keep kosher? Now, there are a lot. Listen, there's, there's another 611 commandments, correct? Uh, obviously, there's a lot more to being a religious Jew than those two things. But those are really the, the, the bare minimums that get you into that kind of category of being a truly Torah, you know, being considered a Torah observant, law observant Jew. Doesn't mean you're a good Jew or a bad Jew, but, but that's what gets you into that Jew who follows the rules, the, the, the rules as, that you can possibly really put your hands on. Christians don't really have that. So one of the things that could have really helped this baker in this Kate Wright's case is if Christianity had something similar to what we have in Judaism as what I would call the Isur Hana'ah. Yisur Hana'ana. Many of you listening might not know what that means. Literally, the mean, it means the for, you know, be, being forbidden from taking advantage of something, from taking pleasure in something. And Jewish law has that on a number of things. I think the best example of Yisur Hana'ah comes from the selling of, of pork or pork products. Now, many of you may not know this. If you are a devout Jew, you can own a restaurant that serves non-kosher food. You can't eat it. Your family can't eat it. Other Jews aren't allowed to eat it. But you can have a restaurant that serves non-kosher food, and you can make money off it. But you cannot serve pork or pork products. Now, usually, everything is either kosher or it isn't. There's really no designation of something is more not kosher than something else. But when it comes to pork products, the, the rabbi slapped on an additional injunction, for lack of a better word, an, an additional rule that said, look, we don't even want you selling and taking a financial benefit from pork products, which is why in the state of Israel, some of the people who actually do raise pork, <laughs> raise it on some kind of like lifted platform. So it's not officially on the land of Israel. I kid you not. This is how people follow these rules. But I think most Jews who are devout follow the rule very clearly. They just don't. They don't get into the pork business. They don't sell pork. And they can point to the page in the Talmud and the Mishnah that says, I can't do this. So what these gay, uh, what these bakers in this gay uh, wedding case we're trying to do was basically trying to impose upon themselves a little bit of an isor hana'ah, forbidding themselves from even taking some kind of financial benefit and something they did not religiously agree with, which I think, by the way, honestly, folks, I think that was admirable. These are religious people trying to live a religious life as they know it. They weren't, again, actively going out against gay people. They didn't have a sign in their window that said, go away, gay people. 
I think they would have served them any other product that they wanted, as long as it didn't wasn't a wedding cake that said "Happy Wedding." You know, I don't know what the name of the two guys who got married. I don't know their names, but maybe it was Gary and Steve. It doesn't really matter. I think that they would have been, would have been willing to do almost anything else. So I, I really don't see them as an evil bunch of guys. And I, I bet you something else. I bet you the guys who brought suit against them didn't see them that way either. Remember, this was a test case that they wanted to set up as an example. They got their wish up until now. They certainly got their case heard, and it became a national cause celeb, but it, they got slammed down. But what these guys were trying to do, with this, with this gay baker, with this baker, not this baker dealing with gay customers was trying to do, was trying to create a, a real rule for himself that he wouldn't even profit from something he didn't believe in. He didn't think that that was ethical. Again, similar to our what we, again, we, what we call the Isur Hana'ah in Jewish law, which is just you know, which, which we cannot take financial advantage of pork products or things like that. And it wouldn't have been nice for this baker to have been able to point to some version of a Christian Talmud or a Christian Mishnah and said, hey, listen, I'm just following the rules here of my religion. And you as a customer and you as a municipality and you as a state of Colorado cannot force me to break my own religious laws. This is the laws written here. But they don't have that. And that's a big problem for Christianity and for people who are trying to be devout Christians in today's secular world. I would like to think that a Jewish baker or a Jewish business refusing that kind of service wouldn't have even gone to, had to go this far wouldn't have had to even go to the state court because it's just written there in black and white for a thousand years or two thousand years. And the Christ and Christian groups just don't have this. Doesn't mean they can't have it, by the way. If I, you know, if any of you are listening who know somebody who's a who's a pastor or a bishop in a Christian organization, tell them to start writing these rules down in the form of a catechism or something like that and, and have it there. I know some do. I, I, I'm not saying that there's no written law anywhere in Christianity or, or any, any one of the denominations doesn't have some rules that they write down. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't be offended if that's what you, you think I said. But they don't have an accepted 2,000-year-old Talmud like the Jews have that really sets out these kinds of rules or a Shulchan Aruch, which is 1,000 years old and more, those kinds of things, which are really, really important for... Jews to follow certain paths, and for us to be able to know what our rules are. Now, there's one more little caveat here from a religious standpoint that I want to throw in, and that is something else that we've had for about a thousand years in Jewish law, and that is, again, I'm going to use an Arabic, uh, an Aramaic phrase here right now. It's called Dina de Malchuta Dina, which, again, loosely translated means the law of the land is the law for the Jews. What's not included in that saying is which, which is understandable, that if the law of the land breaks the Jewish law, our religious law, then of course it's not our law. So if there's a law of the land that says you got to take out your garbage on Tuesday and Friday, you got to take out your, law, your garbage on Tuesday and Friday. You can't say, oh, Jewish law doesn't say anything about this. I don't know what to do. No, you got to follow that rule. That's a secular rule and dina de malfluta dina. But if the, if the law of the land says, hey, you can't study Torah ever, then that's, of course, not a law that Jews have to follow. They should either get out of that country or protest that law or some combination of both. So that is something that somebody might throw up. You're going to deal with Jewish people here arguing this case all day. And you're going to have some smart aleck Jewish guy who's going to say, like, I'm a Dita de Malchuta Dina. They have to, you know, they have to serve certain people. <laughs> I'm using that, that annoying tone of voice because the person who, who brings up that, that part of the argument probably doesn't believe it. They're just trying to do it to be you know, a smart aleck, which is, you know, an epidemic in the Jewish community. As, and, and anyone who's grown up here knows <laughs> it happens. Um, but this is really a case 
where it really wasn't a rule. Can somebody really be compelled to, to do something that is against their religious beliefs that doesn't otherwise, if they don't otherwise, violate that person's civil rights? So again, that's why this 7-2 to two court ruling today, and again, we're talking about this court ruling, which is just broken just minutes before today's episode or edition of, of Novak Now, live right here now on Nuffin Siegel Network. The Supreme Court ruling 7-2 to two to clear the baker in Colorado in the famous case of the, of the religious Christian col a baker in Colorado who refused to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple several years ago. And I think, again, why this was a 7-2 to two decision and why it was so such, really, by today's terms, a slam dunk for this guy is because he was singled out. He wasn't trying to go around and try to, and making it known that he hated gay people. He would have provided them pretty much any other service. If they had come in and said, we want a cake with just a cake and a blank cake, he would have served them that cake. He would have given them anything else. But he believed that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right for him to take a financial profit from a gay wedding. Again, as, as we would say in Hebrew, Esor Hana'ah, he's a Christian, but he was trying to be ethical to his Christian beliefs. And in this individual case, the justices finally returned us to sanity, realized this guy was set up, was being made an example of for a test case, and had his livelihood and the livelihood of his workers threatened and ruined because they wanted to make an example out of this guy. You know, had this been somebody who had a bake shop that said KKK bakers, stay out all blacks, Jews, and gays, you know, I'd be all for making an example of that guy. But that's not what was going on here, which is why this case was so egregious and felt so wrong to people like me, and I think a lot of moderates for a long time. And again, I think the court made a good decision today. I'm, I'm repeating this because I want to make this very clear. Um, I, I think it's a good thing the court today did not broaden out this decision into some kind of blanket protection for anybody who wants to refuse service based on religious rules because we don't know if the other bakers down the road or the other shoemakers or dressmakers or whoever you want to talk about is going to be following the same kind of ethical path and decent path that this guy was trying to follow in Colorado. He was not being discriminatory in an active way. He was set up from the beginning, and I think the justices saw that, as anyone could have seen that, and they put an end to this for this guy. This guy's story is probably over after a lot of years of, of, of hardship, which I think really, really, really unfortunate. But the question now of how we're going to incorporate civil rights for gay people, it continues in this country, and I think it should continue in this country. We have to make sure that rights are protected, that people aren't deliberately singled out because they're gay. We, nobody wants that. I think nobody decent wants that. But at the same time, we can't have people who are trying to follow their religious beliefs also singled out and made, and to, and, and, and made a, an, an example of. And this happens not just in civil rights law for gay people, but it happens also for disabled Amer Americans with disabilities. There's a lot of cases here in New York where people are lawyers go around from business to business looking for small violations, looking for problems, and they put these guys out of business based on laws that are meant to help disabled people. But these lawyers take advantage of that and look to put people out of business and make quick money on it, and believe me, they don't care about people with disabilities. So we want to make sure that doesn't happen either, and that's going to be a longer process, folks. That's going to be a longer process. So I, I tried to touch on the religious aspects of this. Again, Devout Christians, if you're listening to this or if you listen to it recorded in, in the next couple of days, the disadvantage that you're at is because you don't have a written halakha like Jews have. You don't have a written laws on every single basically aspect of human behavior and, 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 and business that Jewish law has. 
And because of that, you're going to be targeted by folks who are going to say like, well, I don't see where it says in the Bible that you can't serve me a cake. I mean, they're going to have fun with that. Whereas you can find in places in the Talmud and the Mishnah basically kinds of rules where if someone is, is committing an act that, that is considered to be against Jewish law, you, you really can't be aiding and abetting it. You can find that in a lot of places in Jewish law. And Dina de Malchut Dina, that Aramaic phrase that says basically secular law is the law that the Jews have to follow, only holds if it does not negate Jewish law. You know, if, if you have to take out your garbage on Saturday and you can't leave it out before Shabbat starts on Friday, then if you're a Jew, then you either need to move to a town that has garbage pickup on another on another day, or you can't do it just because that's, or you can't take out your garbage. You're just going to have to take it out another day or take it to the dump yourself. That's, that's the example I like to use. So that's the religious aspect. Now I want to talk about the journalism aspect of this because what we're going to see over the next few hours and, and the next day is a real diver is 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 that main it really touches on the main topic. This is what I was going to do for 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 my uh, for my uh, topic today on Novak now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I was going to talk about journalism in America and why it's become so negative and why that puts Israel in such a terrible position and why it puts really America in a terrible position. Um, but what I decided to the first thing that the first problem, you know, that's really apropos to today that journalism has in America is that there's a, it's, it's a lot of set pieces. You know, the, we hear break, breaking news is one of the most overused misnomers in television and radio and even uh, online news these days. But it's really breaking news today. We really did have a breaking news case. So what's funny about it is that you hear breaking news, you hear that term all the time in radio and in TV, and rarely is it breaking news when they say that. And then the irony is when there really is breaking news, there's either a total ignoring of it for the first hour or so while they can get their act together, or they just say the news really quickly and then they go back to their regular scheduled stories that have nothing to do with the breaking news that really they need to be doing. It needs to be on the story as it's happening, which is why you need to hire people before, in front of the camera and, in fr and behind the, the camera, in front of the mic and behind the mic, who can handle a breaking news story who know the news so well that when there's a development in an existing story that's been out there for years, like this gay wedding cake case, can talk about it and know the history of it. That's what you have to have. We call it ripping up the rundown, and almost nobody does it. So I've done it, but luckily for me, it's not that far off of the main topic that I was going to talk about today, which was the problem with some of American journalism today. And the problem with American journalism today, among many things, is that negative aspect. So what you're going to get today from most of the mainstream media for the next few hours or so is a lot of commentary. A lot of guests are going to come on all the cable networks. You're going to hear, see a lot of headlines. They're going to talk about how this is somehow a war on gays, that once again in the Trump era, gay and lesbian Americans have been attacked. The Supreme Court has struck a blow against them which just isn't true. It just isn't true. Again, if this case were of a case of a baker who was going after gays, had signs in his window saying, go away gays, go away blacks, go away Jews, had been really active in doing this, then giving him a free pass would be, indeed, a blow against gay people in this country. But that's not what was going on here, folks. That is not what was going on here. As again, as I've said a few times, this guy was singled out. They knew he was a religious guy. And they went after him, even though he would have been willing to do almost anything else for this couple as customers. Just did not want to profit from something that he believed was against his religion, was, was truly, you know, clearly against his religious beliefs. That's what he didn't want to do. So you'll see a lot of that. 
because journalism in America, which again, this is going to be my main topic, is so focused on the negative. Why? Because the negative is easier. The negative scares people. It's the people in journalism have been convinced for 60 years in this country that if they don't focus on the negative, if they don't focus on the scary, no one's going to pay attention. Now, that's true if your other choice is, hey, look at all the planes that didn't crash today. Somebody rescued a cat from a tree. If that's what you're going to counter the negative news with, then yeah, the, the negative stories, the if it bleeds, it leads, is going to beat you every time in the ratings. I get it. I get it. I get it. So if you're going to say, well, the opposite is that, hey, this if your headline, if you're if you're opposing headline to the headlines that we're going to see all day, or the 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 conversation we're going to see all day about how gays have been attacked in this country by this by the Supreme Court decision, if your counter headline is small gay bake small bakery in Colorado. Uh, wins the case, you know, that, that's really not going to work. But if your headline, if your opposing headline is a sane, reasoned decision to protect religious people in this country without infringing upon minorities and gay people in this country has probably been reached in the Supreme Court. Yeah, I think that will actually do very well in the ratings today, folks. It will. It will. If you think that the only thing people are going to want to click on or watch today is gays attacked, gays under siege, the Trump era strikes again, you're wrong. That's not the only thing. There's going to be a lot of people going to want to turn that off. And not just people who are conservative or religious. A lot of moderate people and even gay people probably aren't going to want to see that. You know, imagine if you are a gay American and this ruling came out and all you heard all day was how terrible this ruling was. And then wouldn't you, if you were really trying to get all the facts, look for somebody who would find a silver lining in this? And it's really not hard to find one. Because again, as I've said, the Supreme Court has decided not to give blanket immunity to anyone who just doesn't want to serve gay people based on some any religious reason. Okay, that's a that's a win for the gay community, and it's also a win for this baker in Colorado, which I think is really the best reasonable result we could have gotten today. And yeah, that's an optimistic take by me, but I also think it's a sane take by me and an objectively optimistic take by me that you probably won't hear altogether too much today because, again, journalism is addicted to negativity and has been for a very, very long time. So what we have today is, I think, a court that really looked at a case. Seven out of the nine justices looked at this case and realized that this individual baker was taken advantage of. He was made a, an example out of by, by a group, basically a couple of activists who wanted to make a test case, who wanted to get to the state Supreme Court, wanted to get to the United States Supreme Court, and they got it. And in return, this guy lost business, had to lay off people, took a lot of threats. And then what did he do to deserve this? Did he go after gay people? Did he make nasty comments? Did he tell them they're going to be damned to hell? He didn't do any of those things. He just said, you know what, guys? I don't think it's right for me to profit from your wedding ceremony, which is against my religious beliefs. Please, here's the name of three other places you can go. Go there with my compliments. Anything else I can get you? And this is the guy who spent years fighting a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. I believe that activism groups on the other side paid his legal bills. I don't believe that he's gone bankrupt from legal bills, but you can see how he possibly could have. You, you see how that could have happened to him, right? So it's very, very important that you look at this case from, I believe, an optimistic point of view. You won't get that too much today. But also, Malcolm Siegel Network listeners understand that there are some religious connotations to this that are very, very important. Optimistic if you're a religious Jew, we have the written rules to fall back on. Devout Christians, you don't, for the most part. Maybe you ought to look into them. But I'm glad today.
that I think justice was really served. This has been Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'll speak to you again next week. Thank you.